It is so lovely to be back here on a Sunday morning on the Triple H 100.1 FM radio airways. Thank you for having me. You are listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy this morning. Um, What can I tell you? I've missed two weeks and I do apologise for that. But health actually had to come first for those last two weeks. Um, Rather appropriate today. This show is all about health and well-being through connection to people people in our community and people beyond who share with us their experiences, their choices and consequences, and regardless of age, their innate wisdom. By discerning and getting a sense of what is transferable from what these guests share, we can choose to apply the relevant aspect in our lives and in our community and develop programs that found a more sustainable, loving and heartfelt way to be with each other, thereby improving our physical and our mental health. This week's show on Stay in the Loop with Lucy is a follow-up from last week's Mother's Day show. Not just about how we are with our mothers, but how we are as mothers and perhaps how uh, mothering has uh, taken over to mean that we perhaps lose ourselves as women in the process of um, of nurturing when nurturing is such a, an inbuilt pull for us as women in the studio to help me have this conversation today are three amazing women and it is an absolute pleasure to be here with them because i can just feel we're going to have an absolute blast talking about this subject which could push a few buttons i suspect um i have got laura lloyd welcome thank you i have got michelle crow welcome Welcome. And I've got Jean Graymar. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Now, I'm just going to give a little bit about you because, to be honest with you, I don't think I could ever give um, as much as could be, uh, as I could share about any of you. Laura is someone that I didn't actually meet all that long ago, but from the moment we met, we bonded very quickly. And I laughed at the fact uh, of, of Laura's stories of her, her dog um, that, her, that completely paralleled um, my life with children. Um, Laura has, is a, has been a stepmother. Um, she is a health coach, um, works as a health coach and is a curious explorer of life, which I really love that expression. Very beautiful. Um, the other thing is that you've had Hashimoto's thyroiditis, haven't you, Laura? Yes, I do. And so you really spend a lot of time investigating gut health and immunity. Yes, directly related to the Hashimoto's, exactly. Looking at how the gut is impacted and how autoimmunity comes about in the body and all the different things that come into play with looking after yourself, caring for yourself more, um, and and working on that relationship with your body. Yeah, fantastic. Um, what's the name of your of your dog? Hershey. Hershey, awesome name. Does <laughs> remind me a little bit of chocolate. So I'm going to try not to make that association too much because 
She is help. chocolate. She so. is chocolate. She's <laughs> a bit of a beauty as well. I've I've met her and she's an absolute uh, she's an absolute beauty. Uh, next in line, we've got Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Good morning. Uh, now Michelle's been on the show. She brings with her um, a wealth of experience in health and well-being as a practitioner, also as a parent. Um, you work as a um, community aged care support worker. Um, I, it's difficult to really encapsulate what you do because there are so many different areas that I know that we connect on. Um, but really, it's a you have a really practical approach to health and well-being and you have a, a fantastically simple way of explaining it. And so I feel, again, we're, we're in great Thank hands you. with both of you to um, really have this conversation. Now, you are a parent to three, three children. children. Yeah. So um, you're going to bring with you, uh, and they're varying ages, aren't they? Yeah, so you I've can... got a, a seven-year-old son, a 16-year-old son, and an 18-year-old daughter. Okay, so different so ages, quite a different gamut. stages. That's right, <laughs> lots of experience. And last but not least, Jean Grimmer, welcome. Thank you. Now, um, Jean, uh, Jean makes me smile every time I see her. She has a humour and um, uh, an ability to bring some of the most complicated things down to the most uh, basic level in a very logical way and to dismantle some of the kind of highbrow, intelligent ways that we look at things and make it very... Um, attainable and achievable. Um, you work as an educator at Earth Kids, which is local to us. They're just in North Taramara, and you've been a director there, I gather. Um, you also have three children of your own, two children of your own, sorry. I really do apologise if I included your husband in that. I'm just going <laughs> to apologise right up front. Two children. <laughs> well, I think in some level, as women, we do potentially mm. parent our, our partners, but that will come later in the show. Um, so two two boys. Two boys. What age are they? Uh, Kieran's fifteen and Liam is twelve. Right. Mm. So we have an and I have uh, three. So I have a twenty-year-old, an eighteen-year-old, and a fifteen-year-old. So between us, we have the whole gamut. I also have a dog. Who else here has a dog? No. Yeah, I've got yes. Lily. So three of us, and you have a cat. Mm. Now, can I? I think I think what I love about pets, and I would love to include pets in this show, even though it's a show about you know mothering and being a mother. Um, I I I really do feel that we um, that pet that pets, just like children, reflect back to us some of our behaviours very cleanly without um, all the emotional stuff that can come in with children. Dogs are a, and, and cats are a reflection to us that we very often can't argue with. What if we just jump straight in there? Um, Laura, let's start with you. What was your Mother's Day like this year? Um, this year actually was quite nice. My husband um, has three children of his own, but they don't live with us. Um, he always goes out of his way to make sure that I have flowers and that I'm looked after. And he really does, you know, they come from the dog. But but it's it's such a nice thing. I get a card that's from the dog. That's beautiful. <laughs> but that's so lovely. And also, um, when you've got other women in your life, they actually do become a female role model for you. They may not be a mother to you, but they hold something in that space that there's a there's another reflection of uh, a femaleness in your life. So you ha you know you do in effect, even though they're not your children, there is definitely a part of them that is you know that you you hold that role for. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's wonderful to be with them and they're such beautiful children. So it's I, I'm very blessed to have them in my life. I am um, I'm from Ireland and my mother is overseas, so it's a different time of the year that they celebrate Mother's Day. Yeah. So uh what I found myself doing the last two or three years uh, was where I've made a connection with, say, a lady in the dry cleaners or a lady at a Thai restaurant who I've met a few times. I would think of them and uh, on Mother's Day I have gone to them and just got them a little hand cream or a little wow. something uh, because what they've brought to me during the year or just in my life in general has been um, a connection on a level that's um, someone who I would feel um, I can talk to like a mother. Mm. Mm. Michelle, what about you? Um, yeah, my mother um, is overseas. I've been here for nearly 30 years now. Um, but I, I just spoke to her on the phone. Um, but I actually live with my mother-in-law. Ah. So, so I get, although my mother's not here, I, I've got my mother-in-law who lives on the on the property with us in a granny flat. And she's very much part of our lives. So um, it's lovely because I get to sort of celebrate with her as well. Um, now, this year was a bit different for me because my both my 16 and 18-year-old were both working. They work at a cafe, cafe racer in Monavale, and they... Um, it's the busiest day of the year for them. Yes, I can imagine <laughs> anyone. In. So they both just phoned me and said, are you okay? Are you cool with us working? And I said, yeah, that's totally fine. We can yeah. go out anytime. And it was lovely because my daughter sent me a beautiful message and just said, you know, I appreciate you every day. It doesn't, I don't need to just appreciate you on Mother's Day. This will be the absolute yeah. crux of our show today. Yeah. You know, it we, was beautiful. Yeah. Look at the, the pressure for one day in the year to get appreciation. Um, I, I hope that by the end of this show, we will have literally ripped that up, torn it up stamped on it and shown every woman who ever listens to this and every man who ever listens to this every human being that actually you know it, it don't waste it one day like that's just not enough every single moment of every day let's just appreciate who we have in our lives and what they bring and what we can offer another in our lives yeah definitely and um, and it was lovely for my my daughters now at that stage where she actually you know does appreciate mm-hmm. you know our our relationship. It's very different. So yes, yeah, it, it, it goes through a bit of a turbulent time, yes. doesn't it? And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the the clouds clear for them, you know, as much as anybody else. And and my little seven year old um, made a present at school, and he also made something for me at after school care and at Cubs as well. And um, he wanted to give it to always with school on the Friday when he gets home. He's like, yes. I've got to give you this. It's an early Mother's Day present because you can't wait till Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a long time to wait. Very proud of the things. I've had some amazing Mother's Day gifts over time. Um, and and what was, what was, what's lovely is how it has changed over time. So we're going to talk about that after the break, but what do we get out of Mother's Day and why actually can we never lose it? I think it's important to have that that celebration um, in there. Um, you've been listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. We are talking all about Mother's Day, what it means for us. Um, and after the break, we are going to talk about what happens when that 
day does not go according to plan. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. My guests in the studio today are Laura Lloyd, Michelle Crow, and Jean Grimmer. Hello, everyone. Hello. Good morning. Before the break, we spoke about Mother's Day and the um, and our experiences of Mother's Day. In fact, I was going to talk about the, how they have been in the past and then how they are in the future, and we went straight to how your last one was. So jumping ahead um what happens though when the picture that we've had of that day falls apart and my reason for asking that question is i was in a situation um i i was ill on mother's day so um in fact everybody was out doing their various things um, my daughter was working my son was working he was um uh, refereeing and um, my other daughter was fast asleep. Um, and it was, and I, I actually just, I actually realized that it didn't even occur to me that it was Mother's Day. It was like one of those kind of just, and I felt so good about that because I realized that I've got to a stage where it's not my be all and end all, that I know how much they appreciate and love me. And in fact, I've had weeks of them telling me that because I've been so fragile they've had to look after me for the past few weeks so I've um I felt very nurtured and very loved but my um husband came back and told me about something he'd heard at football where one of the mums of the girls teams that was playing was so cross at at what at how the girls had played and they weren't paying attention that she was screaming at them that she'd given up her mother's day to be there and she was with all these people right and it was so awful you know just to hear that loading of of um you know i've given up my mother's day i've done this for you and i heard at least three other people during the week tell me that their mother's day they, next year they were going to go and do exactly what they wanted because they'd done this either family lunch or you know what what their family had done for them was not up to what they were expecting it was just really really shook me to the core as I realized there are a lot of mothers who need to be told how much they're valued but they are also need to be told how much they're valued in the way that they will accept hearing it that it's not just about that there is a picture that they've got. And I absolutely could say that I subscribed to that picture myself many years ago. I could say that I was in that. So it's almost like, why do I not care now? Why did I care then? There is something that maybe there's a growth that we that we get to as we get older, that if we talk about openly now, we could maybe help some of the younger mums um, who have, you know, really quite high demand children which is that sort of you know under under 10 where it's very physically demanding we give them an opportunity to look at mother's day in a different way or nurturing themselves in a different way can one day make up for 364 other days of the year is is should we be waiting for one day to enjoy mother's day jean absolutely not um i definitely in the past would have held um those special days just being 24 hours important mm. um but have learned over a period of time to appreciate myself and the added uh, uh, bonus or a bunch of flowers is beautiful and it's lovely 
um, but the love that I get on a daily basis is, um, is, is very obvious from the family that it doesn't have to be that one day. And I do remember Valentine's Day being an important day mm. to me years ago, and it's a similar sort of thing. Um, and then we're saying, well, I, why does it have to be Valentine's Day? And start yeah. questioning the day. Um, so the appreciation comes from within me now more about for myself. And from there, the family, it's reflected. And they then can see um, that they love me even more and more because I'm being more and more of myself. Mm. I feel that's... Yeah. Right. And that, it, it's very empowering. Very empowering. It's very empowering. It's very freeing. Um, so there's no expectation now. And if the day that I have, whether it's Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, birthday, isn't going to that picture of what I would have had in the past, that doesn't affect me. I don't react in the same way as I may have in the past, which is empowering. So the less you have needed them to tell you that you're amazing, Mm -hmm. the more you have just developed a sense of nurturing who you are and getting to know who you are, almost dating Mm. yourself. Yes. The less you've needed them to tell you that, Mm. the more fun you've had on any of those days. Oh, 100%. I am um, lighter in my humour, lighter in my my figure. Um, If I'm tired when I come in, I'll say, guys, I'm actually really tired and I'm going up to have a bath. The food is there in the fridge. You know, go ahead and do what you need to do yourselves. I'm honouring more Mm. of who I am and what I need. Um, I work with children. I adore every single one of them. Um, I walk in the door to work and they um, see that uh, what I bring um, is just me. Because you work with children that are under five, don't mm-hmm, you? So I that's do. and that's again, you know, high high intensity uh, time. It's, it's it's high physical need. It's physical. It's uh, you are on from the moment you walk in the door. Mm. You take a forty minute break. Sometimes it's divided between a half an hour and twenty minutes. So you're not even actually getting a mm. um, a long break, depending what's happening on the day, and what's uh, what's happening with those children. They bring it all to you. They're a, a, whatever's going on mm. uh, with them that day, whether they're not feeling well or tired. Um, so you have to be um, at a, a particular um, way with yourself on a, on a day-to-day basis um, outside of work to be able to bring to them who you are, um, uh, to be able to give them their needs. So can I ask you, Jean, when... I mean, I only had three kids under five, but um, when I wasn't feeling right, Mm -hmm. they would play up. It was like, you know, if I was feeling ratty, they would they would push more buttons. Does that just just that just get bigger when you've got a large group of people? So Um, is the energy of the person who is holding the group does it affect because children respond so much don't they to the energy of the teacher or the leader i check in on where i'm at and in a in a room yes it can uh, get extremely busy um and uh, there could be lots of things going on especially say in the two to three room um where their nappies need to be changed or they're upset over Mm. someone taking their toy 
um, to be able to hold that energy um, in that space is actually very easy when you yourself are connected to yourself. And when you're rested when you're and rested, when you're satisfied. When you're no, satisfied, that's, rested, mm. and you love yourself to a level that is, uh, is much, much deeper than I've ever done before. So it, it sounds like you're not looking for them to confirm back to you that you're doing a good job. You just, you know, you just um, deal with yourself and actually almost don't impose, don't demand anything from them. And Absolutely. when you're not demanding anything, mm -hmm. then you're actually easier. It's easier to respond to what their needs are there, you know, and, and actually discern where, OK, that's a life skill they need mm -hmm. to learn. And that's OK. That's something I need to help them with. So you can discern between the two things. I don't wrap them in cotton wool. Mm. I love them um, to a um, level where I'm supporting everything that's going on with them in that moment and mm. um, they themselves then self-regulate and they adjust themselves to uh, which is an expansion of 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 themselves and mm. um, so they're evolving in their in their small bodies mm. right in front of your eyes yeah amazing <laughs> amazing uh, michelle you um would talking about uh, how we can look after ourselves so that you know, we don't have that moment where you're kind of waiting for acceptance and, you know, these kids to behave well so that you can feel feel good about yourself. What you were mentioning a blog in the in the uh, break. Yeah, there's a um, a, submit, a blog that I downloaded today from um, Unimed Living website, um, and it talks about self care, um, and it's that it's not selfish, and I think that. I'd grown up with the idols and beliefs that it, that it was selfish um, to self-care and that it was something that you did as an occasion, you know, you had an occasional treat. So you may go for a massage or, um, you know, go and have a bath or whatever, but they were very occasional things. Um, so it's, yeah, this article, it's interesting. It says, have we been brought up to believe that self-care is selfish? And there's some a, a few bullet points here. Is it our role or duty to care for others? Um, we have to make sure others' needs are met first. Um, Self-care is an occasional treat when everyone else has been taken care of. Um, that sacrificing our needs for the sake of others is what makes us a good person. And others deserve our care more than we do. And what was really interesting for me as a, a mother with two children un, under two, um, was that I, I really wasn't coping well with managing looking after them and I wasn't looking after myself in that process. And then I became very resentful of um, the job. I looked on it as a chore, was hard work. Um, and in that resentment, I basically then um, would, would make a big deal of the special days like Mother's Day or Valentine's or Christmas because I didn't really have anything else to look forward to. And then I had a picture of how it should be. And then quite often that picture would get smashed. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, um, it was quite interesting, whereas now very much evolved to understanding that I can't, you can't care for others unless you care for yourself. And there's an interesting quote here. The truth of self-care is the opposite of what we've been raised to believe. It is actually selfish not to self-care. And by caring for others, we are truly caring for everyone. That's lovely. It's beautiful, isn't it? And I, I really feel that, that in doing that, I've seen such a difference. I think you were mentioning before how 
your children can behave in a certain way if you're feeling a bit off or you're a bit upset or angry or whatever it is, they pick up on that and then it's even more difficult to Mm -hmm. deal with the situation. Mm -hmm. And I have a child with special needs and behavioural issues and he was just a, a big red alert button for whenever I was off, he would be on the floor having a massive tantrum yeah (laughs) unforgiving yeah very unforgiving and I learned lessons but he taught me a lot and that's another thing understanding that children actually teach us they so do teach us and bring so many lessons so that we can evolve in life yes yeah it's very true don't they don't they very true very true yeah it's the it's that whole putting the oxygen mask on yourself Mm. first you know they Mm. they just using that analogy is just so amazing because it really is. It's, it's when we care for ourselves first and, and we look after ourselves, we're in so much of a better space. And that just, you know, everyone around us can, can feel that and see that and adjust to that. It's just so very important. Um, there was a quote actually that I had, I had looked at that I thought was, was um, fantastic as well. And it was one that I had found on... Um, it was on the Unimed Living website as well, but it was about nurturing. Yeah. And it was, uh, the quote is, the quality of nurturing, not who delivers it, is what defines mothering. Mm. And I thought that was such a fantastic Can quote. Can you read that again? The quality of nurturing, not who delivers it, is what defines mothering. Absolutely. So that really goes to show that anyone is a mother. Mm. Because what it's the nurturing that's, that we're talking about and Mm. it's the quality. Yeah. But that's the quality too that we're talking about with self-care. That's the quality that you're giving yourself. Totally. You know, when you are giving yourself that quality. Yes. You know, that's just something that you now have for everyone else in life. You know, it's, it's just, it's just that, that specialness that, you know, everyone else will see in you and everyone else can feel that in you. Do you think it also gives us an opportunity to let go of our childhoods? You know, not everybody has a perfect childhood or a mum who was able to um, to nurture. You know, some have bipolar, some had, uh, you know, postnatal depression, some just actually physically didn't have that bit that wanted to give any love whatsoever, perhaps due to their upbringing. You know, there are so many papers on the um, intergenerational damage that's done and you know the 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 biggest um issues have been through the jewish community and you know what happened the trauma that they experienced and therefore the trauma that's gone down through the generations in in that area you know to learn from that but we've got another whole load of people that are coming through from you know these these areas that have been in war we've got more war than no less war in this world um so we are we've really got a major problem um and we can either pretend that it's happening somewhere else and not in our own backyard or we can say actually we need to parent ourselves regardless of what our past has been we have to parent ourselves like there's a growing up that needs to happen and a putting aside of our our trauma and our and our uh, waiting for someone to come in our life to give us that love and so often we wait for the children to come in and fill that hole but i think what we're touching on is that sometimes when you don't get given that love by someone and, and actually i think that mother role 
um, is very important. And I don't take away from the father role because I've seen young people who haven't got a mother or a father and they both leave a hole. They're just different types of holes. But the emptiness that a woman feels or can feel in herself when she doesn't meet herself first, when she's waiting for someone else to meet her, is a recipe for disaster in terms of the self-esteem and self-worth, isn't it? Mm. Okay, I am going to play some music. And when we come back, let's really go into self-care. Let's talk about how we can, you know, build a relationship with ourselves, what that actually looks like on a practical level. So that, um, you know, where we can look at, um, perhaps maybe we could talk about teenagers and, and, you know, other people in our lives that come in and they're confronting relationships. And yet out of it comes a really good awareness of, that sort of smothering, helicopter parenting, you know, where it where it isn't coming as an energy of nurturing, but actually is coming as a control. All of that after the break. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM and stay in the loop with Lucy. In the studio with me today, I have got Laura Lloyd, Michelle Crow and Jean Grimmer. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. We've been talking about mothering and I am really aware that actually this applies to anyone. I um, uh, I haven't been too well over the past couple of weeks and I've had to um, look after myself in a way that I didn't even, you know, that I haven't done in, in years. Um, you know, really nurturing myself on a whole different level. So I figure actually... Let's make it really practical. What does what does nurturing yourself look and feel like? And, you know, if I've got to this stage of my life when I've got teenagers and I can now tell how much I've ignored over the years to get to this stage, to need, you know, it's actually so long to recover from, um, uh, from, from a surgery. Well, mm, maybe I could have set myself up a little better. Maybe I could have you know, prepared a little better. Maybe there were a lot of warning signs before I got to this stage. So, what I mean, we talk about animals being super sensitive to those changes. Um, maybe we go back to that and actually start saying, you know, where, what, where does it start? Jean, you had a couple of stories of, you know, how you knew when, how an animal knew when you weren't feeling too crash hot. Yeah. When I was younger, I uh, spent a lot of time with dogs and horses. And uh, when I was a teenager, I would be out late at night, the night before, and then I'd go to do something with the animals the next day, go for a walk or whatever. And I could sense that they sensed I was different. So I started to clock um, how they were around me when, uh, when I was tired or had had a few drinks, say. Um, and then when I became a mom, um, I started to compare when I would have a few um, drinks or a late night or a, or a meal that uh, had food that uh, just didn't suit me and uh, made me racy or n agitated um, or um, just not comfortable in my body. Um, I started to realise that I needed to maybe make some changes uh, if I was going to be able to handle um, with the children 
um, during uh, during the day. Mm. Um, if I uh, didn't, um, I would feel frustrated. I, I would get annoyed easily. Um, there was disappointment and expectations. So when I started to have self-care and made certain choices and took responsibility for what I was doing and what I was putting into my body, um, I had more energy, I had more joy, and it was um, happier for everyone around me, which then gave me um, the, um, the sight to be able to uh, see that what I was doing was actually controlling and trying to push through lots of different um, lots of different scenarios be- uh, that that was too difficult because of how I was living. Mm. Mm. Your Hashimoto's, Laura, w- would have been probably a- an incredible, honest conversation your body was having with you about what you were consuming and what you were eating and drinking. And life, yeah, lifestyle, yeah, definitely lifestyle, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I came from a corporate job that I was in for many years where very driven, um, always trying to, you know, get the next promotion type of thing. And, you know, you step back, you get that diagnosis and, and it forces you to step back and say, you know, you really need to look at how you're living your life and how, you know, obviously the, the big wake up call for not nurturing yourself and not really looking at what you need and putting other people before you. So it was a big change in all aspects in, in what I ate in how I care for myself, in how I view things in the world, and how I look after myself. Um, and, and I've been fortunate enough where I was on the front end. I got diagnosed very, very early. So I've not had to go on medication. I've not had to be as bad as some others are. So I got the diagnosis in a very different way, but very, very early on. Mm. So I was fortunate enough to be able to see that and start to make those changes in my life and really start to care for myself very deeply versus someone that, you know, doesn't get that diagnosis until late. The body always tells us. Is that what you've noticed is that it's incredibly honest? So you Mm. can tell when you eat something or when you drink something that disagrees with you, there is a consequence. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. You can tell if you really pay attention. I think so many of us and, you know, myself included in the past, we don't pay attention to that. Yeah. We don't want to necessarily listen to that. Yeah. So, you know, by going there and really connecting to the body and really paying attention to it and giving it the space it needs, mm. you know, you're honoring it and you're and you're allowing that to come forth that, you know, that that communication that tells you what's going on that you may not want to hear. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's forcing you to change, but it's, you know, it's looking at your life really and what do I need to change to take care of myself? That's the key, isn't it? What do we not want to hear and how how hard we will, will we dig our heels in in order to stay with an abusive pattern of behavior that actually doesn't serve us in any shape or form but is the normal? So, you know, I would put sugar firmly in that bracket that we take it as a normal, actually as a treat, and yet it's the greatest poison to the body. It, it you know, ups the... the um, the the nervous system in a way that you know that how is that a treat for a child you know certainly isn't a treat for an adult and my body has just become more and more sensitive to it uh, what are, what are your experiences yeah I've had um, some quite dramatic experiences with sugar with my with my particularly my middle son 
Yes. Uh, with the behavioural problems. We, I learned very early on um, if we went anywhere and he managed to get his hands on sugar, um, it would all hell would break loose and I'm not I'm not going into a drama or it would yeah. it, his behavior would get out of control and it was it was it was you know literally within a few minutes if he got his hands on a lemonade mm-hmm. or a few lollies that was it we were gone and that's <laughs> the honesty of learning difficulties yeah. isn't it Michelle and and clearly uh, on some level you have managed that you, you know, you you can share that with us here, the finely tuned energy of, of a young man with, you know, growing up with learning difficulties is that they rely on those other senses. They become much more finely tuned. Yeah, definitely. And so it really, it really upset him, mm. you know, and um, I then became my, I, I, I suppose I hadn't really noticed that that's what it was doing to myself, mm. really. Mm. Um, I was missing those cues and just ignoring it but when i really started to listen to my own body and it was like he was a barometer for it yeah um i started to to feel how i would get a, a bit of a high mm-hmm. a raciness mm-hmm. and then you know an hour later there would be quite a strong dip mm-hmm. and i would feel quite flat and quite down yeah and i realized that in those moments where i was feeling quite down that was when i would get snappy um i would be irritable i would start to feel um, you know, then maybe shout at the children. So, or I would be really tired and then I'd want to have some more sugar or something else to pick me up. So it became a real yo-yo effect of grabbing for something else to give me that boost yeah. or, or taking it out on the children. So it was a big, it was a, a big wake-up call for me and how food affects your emotions. That really, it, it really is something that children reflect back to us really well and... Um, I know that the afternoon was always the sort of danger point. And I think most, for most women or most mothers or, you know, I think actually this might not be determined by your sex. I think actually for people, when you push, 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 there's an afternoon slump. And that's where, you know, the fantastic marketeers came in with, you know, your tea time, um, you know, little sugar hit. Mm. Uh, But you know, that's that's the bit where your energy starts to dip around four o'clock, about three, four o'clock. And of course, then, you know, you might be in the petrol station and you might be able to, you know, everything is on, you know, just as you're paying. Oh, Very look, enticing. I'll just grab that. <laughs> and, you know, even the healthy, the healthy snacks are loaded with sugar, mm. absolutely loaded with it. Even in the form of dried fruit, it still turns into sugar in the body. So how, you know, like it, how do you... How do you stop that? Because for me, when I was growing up, um, sorry, when not when I was growing up, when I had my kids and they were younger, I would have the glass of wine, you know, in the early evening and, and it possibly sort of started coming in earlier and earlier. Early afternoon. Yeah, and then, you know, it would help me be a nice person when they went to bed. But actually, was I really a very nice person? Because to be honest with you, I just wanted to get that done as quickly as possible. So I look back now and I think I, I'm... I don't feel that they were emotionally scarred by the way I behaved, hopefully not, but I do feel that I had, I was kind of making it something that I could do because that was my only way I knew how to get through the extreme exhaustion that I could feel in my body. Yeah, so like a self-medication in a way. Without question. And I think that's where we have to be really aware. There are going to be other people out there, because I don't think I was unique. I don't think any of us are unique. Other people are going to be feeling that that 
feeling, well, how if I am going to, you know, make a choice not to use those crutches, not to use that self-medication, how do I look after myself? How do I start building a, a pattern of behavior that is more supportive so that I don't get to that? So I would always say, look at your bedtime. That that to me is is would be the, the place I would suggest we started. Um, do we want to go into that or should we... Well, what, what I have found really helpful um, for me was checking in on um, a thought that may come into my head. Say mm-hmm. if I'm driving home and it's yeah. 40 minutes to get home and it's early, I've finished early and I think, oh, well, you know, I've had a very busy day. I think I'll stop off and get a coffee and a muffin. Mm-hmm. And what I started to do was sort of, hmm, where did that thought come from? Yeah. Question, is that really what I want? So instead of just taking putting the indicator on and going that direction uh, to get the muffin and the coffee I stopped to actually think about what I actually was looking for Mm. and was it really what I needed or am I better to go home to my family and have a really nice something that I might put together myself in the early day home if I'm hungry Um, and was it sugar so I questioned I started questioning what I what I was doing what we have to remember is that you're right, those thoughts come into our head. So kind of, you know, where are those thoughts coming from? Blah, there we go. But um, sugar works on the same part of the brain as cocaine. So it is completely addictive. And we must understand that, that, that you know, addictive behaviors take certain ways we've got to understand what, what we need it for in order to break an addiction, you know, because you can... You can go cold turkey, but if you haven't addressed what that sugar was doing for you, what what it was feeding, then you're, you're just going to transfer it to something else. I mean, you know, I gave up alcohol, went to sugar, gave up sugar, went to fruit, you know, as in the hard sugar, the hard white stuff, the white powder, <laughs> went to fruit. Had ex- my body reacted in exactly the same way. And it's because, you know, you don't address the energy that's behind what you're doing. You know, where's that? Where's that thought coming from? So I, I'm a 48-year-old, 48, uh, nearly 48-year-old, and I work with a lot of young people. Yeah. And they will say to me, where do you get all your energy from? Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's fabulous to hear them say that because then we can sort of have a talk, have a talk or have a yak about um, the certain choices that I've made yeah. and the difference that it's made to me. Yeah. And the difference it's made to the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. Because it does have you can't you can't make a change in your life without it affecting others. So you have you have two people living in your house with you, two souls. You've got yes, your I your do. dog I and do. your husband. Yes, and do. so, what are the changes that you've made in your life, and how much of an impact has it had on them? I think you had touched on it a minute ago. It's um, you know really recognizing what your body needs and when you need it. I think that's just a really simple thing. Mm-hmm. So something as simple as as you talked about going to bed earlier. But really, I think one of the big changes for me was, especially with the hashies, was realizing that if there was an afternoon slump and I was tired, like you said, Jean, putting on the, the, the blinker and going in and getting a coffee and a muffin, instead I chose to just rest and to just lie down and have a nap if I could. You know, obviously if I couldn't, you know, I would go and just try to sit even just for a few moments and just try to just give my body just a moment to just you know, relax. Mm. And that's really, that really made a huge deal for me in the beginning was taking that time 
and, and really looking out for my body and for myself, you know, moving in small increments in that direction. But yeah. I think that the resting and the sleep and listening to your body, that's such a huge, important thing. Taking time for maybe a cup of tea mm. occasionally. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Michelle. Just leading on from what Laura's shared. Um, I remember, you know, a bit earlier on that I would take time when they were little um, I learned very. I learned quite quickly that when they went to sleep, I went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And the pattern I had been in was to go right. I've got some space now. Yes, going to tidy up the lounge. Going to do yes. the washing. Going to get the food. Da, 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 da. Hoover. Yeah. Um, but I realised yeah. that actually taking those moments, even if they were very short, just for me to lie down yeah. and just reconnect, or even just sit on the sofa and just have some time for me, mm-hmm. doing nothing. Um, gave me the energy for then to be able to do everything else that needed to be done. The midwife always said that to me and I never listened. <laughs> you know, I remember saying, when they sleep, you sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I will, I will. The moment she's out the door, okay, well, I can't do that, clearly, because there's just so much to do. And, you know, then your husband comes home, it's like, uh, what have you done all day? I've uh, slept when the baby slept, <laughs> you know. doesn't go down to all. I think we're taught to feel Got that to. it's guilt, feel oh, guilty totally. to do that, though. Totally. And I, I don't think it, I, you yeah. know, I wouldn't put that on my husband. I think that's just you, my own self-talk. It's like, yeah. where did that thought come from? You know, you, how dare you rest mm. whereas I think when you watch television I've still I'm not convinced you're resting no not um, at all in, in these last two no. weeks I've I've found that when I'm watching television I'm actually my body is not rested my body is emotionally engaged with what's going on my nervous system is watching what's going on it's only when I've closed my eyes even if I haven't slept that I have felt rested in those moments where I've sat down. I, I, I had a, an interesting, um, I just had a flashback yeah. of uh, when the boys were uh, five and six or seven. And um, I, at that point, was sort of taking a little bit of time out and meditating, just listening to a little bit of music. Yeah. Nothing, um, just taking, just sitting and feeling my body. And I remember them asking me what I was doing and I explained to them. And then someone came to the house and they said, Mom is meditating. You can't disturb her. And I remember the the five-year-old coming into the room and I opened my eye and uh, he seen what I was doing. And uh, he just closed the door quietly and left me to it. And then I wasn't doing it for a while and I parked it up and wasn't doing it. And they had noticed I was probably a bit grumpy or (laughs) racy or whatever they were noticing at the time, I don't know. And one of them said, the older one said to me, you don't meditate as much as you used to. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, get back into it, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it was quite funny, yeah. That's good. You know, again, that honesty that we get from teenagers in particular I, and kids I love it I think we, you know they get a bad rap um, but there is an honesty that is it's actually so loving you know I, I don't think teenagers take the two-faced do as I say don't not as I do kind of rubbish that comes out of our mouths mm. I was away for a couple of days uh, a few weeks ago and I came back into the house and it was during school holidays and uh, I noticed when I got back into the house that it just felt disregard and some disrespect. Yeah. And it was oozing out of the walls and I just went into the space and I went, oh my goodness, I've been living 
in this and how how does everyone else feel about it so we sat and we spoke about it and uh, since the difference in the house has been fabulous because we've exposed it and through that exposure um, everyone has raised the bar and I think that the fact that we are parents or you, I am a mom that I was pondering to their needs in a way that um, I was not wanting to rock their boat. Yeah. And I've, if I raise the bar, then they have to come too, if they choose to. Yeah. On that note, I'm going to some music because that is just gorgeous. I'm going to have The Woman I Am, Let My Heart Lead the Way by Deborah Savran. We really couldn't be a more appropriate uh, tune for this one. You are listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We have been, um, gosh, we can't even say that we've been talking about mothering. We've been talking about nurturing and about the gift that we bring um, all of us, that we, when, when we actually self-nurture what we can bring. Stay tuned for, um, for more just after this break. I am in the studio today with Jean Grimmer, Laura Lloyd and Michelle Crow. Welcome, welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I feel we have really, um, I, th- I feel like we've, we've talked about the importance of um, self-nurturing. I, I feel like we've acknowledged that sometimes when um, as women and when we become mothers there is sometimes an emptiness that we're trying to fill with the stuff that's outside i feel like we've acknowledged that we can get so tired that we can use coping mechanisms and behaviors that actually make us more tired probably and put us um a bit even more behind the eight ball than we were already and it just there's a cascade effect uh, that can happen I wonder if one of the areas we really need to to talk about now is what our role is as mothers. So I work with a lot of young people who have, um, who are um, missing a whole load of life skills. And what I've learned in that of of myself as a mother, I look at how I brought my kids up, I go, hmm, I remember when you were younger that it was just much quicker for me to do that for you because actually I'd asked you three or four times seven or eight times ten or fifteen <laughs> times to do something it didn't get done so in the end yeah. I was like you know what I'm going to do this myself yeah. but in doing that I took away from you a learning opportunity for a life skill that that now means you are not as independent of me as you should be at your age so one example might be making school lunches that's something that, you know, we can start really young. Um, that it's a, you know, <laughs> so many um, parents I speak to say, you know, well, I've got to get up and I've got to do this and I've got to, and you've got to make their lunches, and blah, 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 you know, and, 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 you know, they all get to lie in and do this and they get up right at the last minute. And, you know, I mean, you know, gosh, that could be most of the households we know, right? But there's a life skill in preparing yourself for your day. How are you, you know, what do you, do you like what your mum makes you? If you don't, then, you know, you trade in the playground or whatever, whatever. But are we really teaching our young people life skills, um, sorting out the washing, how to do the washing, how to fold the washing, you know, why it feels good to have to make your bed every day? You know, all of those little things, how often do we try and do something just because it's quicker if we do it 
that we then take away from them a life skill that will enable them to be completely independent of us, which I believe our role is. You know, if I die tomorrow, I need to know my kids are going to be okay. And I and the only way they can be okay is if I've raised them to be emotionally and physically independent of me, but really love having me in their lives. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Where, where, are, where are other areas that, you know, life skills that we take away their legs? And it might be, um, dare I say, that this is where we bring in that role of nurturing that goes to smothering, that goes to helicopter parenting, that goes to helicopter householding. Because let's be honest, this is where, you know, I know so many men who actually can't make an appointment for themselves because either their wife or their secretary has done it for them. And I, I haven't put as many women in that category because, to be honest with you, my age bracket, it's mostly men who had secretaries and not so many women who made it to that echelon of society. We do have to include whether as women in in a household, what roles we take on that disempower other people. Throw it out to you all. Who's going to jump in on that yeah, one I'll first? Jump in. Go for it, Michelle. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, it's interesting you're saying that because my first marriage, I used to say to a lot of people um, that I had three children. Mm. At that stage, I only had two, mm-hmm. and the third child was my husband. Right, and there was a almost like a blame from me that he didn't contribute and he didn't do anything. Um, it took me a long while to realise, a few years, in fact, to realise that I'd actually enabled that situation, and I'd grown up in a household very traditional. Mother, my mum worked part time, but she very much ran the house. My dad worked full time. He was a salesman. He was out on the road a lot. So she did everything um, down to, you know, ironing his shirt and getting his clothes prepared. It was absolutely everything. Um, and all of the bills, all of that, you know, a lot of men do that, that stuff. But my mum did all of that as well. Yeah. So when I went out and, and, you know, got married, I thought that that was my role. So I did all of it. And I also realised that I wanted it done in a certain way. So if I did it, it got done how I wanted it done. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> that then translated through to the children. And as you said, I found it easier just to do it rather than wait and nag them to do stuff, which is really disempowering. So I just went on and it's it's taken me a long time, but I've more, you know, in the last five years, I've really, really turned this around. And it's been quite remarkable. I remember with my daughter, her room was, and it looked like a bomb had hit it. Mm-hmm. And I went in there and I said, well, how about I give you a hand to tidy it up? And then I want you to feel how it feels when it's clear. Um, so that you can get an understanding of how that's actually affecting how you feel every day when your room's like that. And it was a massive turning round, turning point for her. Um, because I actually tidied it up with her. Most people would say just do it on, let her do it on her own. But I did it with her. I helped her to bring order to everything. We found a spot and a place for everything in her room. And from that day now, she talks to me about how much better it feels when things are in order. Mm, so it's been really beautiful. And with having a son with special needs as well, um, I realised that I actually needed to teach him how to be independent very early on because he's got learning disabilities and his reading and writing's not great. So um, I figured that life skills were actually it for him. So I stepped in and started to teach him to cook, just the basics so that he knew how to look after himself and, and, you know, washing his clothes, taking care of himself, you know, showering every day and 
and that again has he's he's grown into a really mature young man now wow um from actually doing that so even though i didn't do that for the first probably 10 12 years of their life i've managed to turn it around never too late yeah definitely that's a that's a good one to know because you know how often do we sit there and mm, go oh look right. can't teach that now well, mine is the appreciation okay um so when one of the family do something um like Liam, for example, might fold the clothes and um, the way he folds them is absolutely beautiful. It, the love that is in the folding of those clothes is sitting there on the table for me to see and I then appreciate everything that they do um, much more than I ever did before, which then gives them a sense of um, ownership and responsibility. Um, I also um, absolutely agree with Michelle uh, with the children and even um, with the children at work. It's encouraging all um, children to um, do things for themselves, mm. no matter what age they are. And it is a lifetime um, guidance and responsibility. Yeah. Um, my tone is something that I'm, um, I have checked in on in the last five, six years. Um, how I sound to them, mm. how I am in my tone. And if my tone is off, they, the children now tell me mm. at home, Mum, you're not yourself today. So yeah. they check in and tell me. So we all support each other. Uh, they vacuum, they tidy their rooms, um, they mow the grass. That's uh, amazing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's cool. Mm. Yeah, that's what we do. That's amazing. Mm. Laura, what's it look like in your home? Um... It's, it, it's, I think it, along with what Michelle had said, it's, it's been um, a, a lesson along the way of seeing where, for me in particular, it's about that control that you want things done a certain way. And then looking at how I can now let go of that control with my partner and say, you know what, this needs to get done the way that you do it and just let go mm. of the way that it's done. And mm. it doesn't have to be to the standard that I might necessarily do it, but the f appreciating the fact that he's doing that and he's, he's actually taking part in, in, you know, in doing something and he's more than willing. Yeah. Um, he's just quite busy, but he's more yeah. than willing when he's home to be able to help out. But I think it's letting go of that control as well that we have about wanting things done a certain way. Um, and just accepting the fact that, you know what, we need someone else to do it. it go ahead and let them do it because it's, it's something for them to do and, and good for them to learn and, and let it go. My family were quite blunt and said to me, well, you seem to get so much pleasure out of it. We didn't want to take that away from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch, that was a bit painful. <laughs> Very true. You know, I have to say, you know, my martyr hat was just really too so good. Um, and, you know, they, they, they got the benefit of having more time in their day. But the moment I took my martyr hat off and said, oh, I can't do it anymore, they were all there, ready and willing. It was, you know... It, I just think we shoot ourselves in the foot so often because we tell ourselves that no one will be there, no one can help us, we're the only ones who can mm. do it. And actually, if we are, then we've got a major problem because, God forbid, if anything happened to us and we find ourselves incapacitated in hospital or or worse, you know, um, with our bodies failing us in a, in a more severe way or a lesser way, just getting a cold, we have to know that... 
the kids can get themselves to school, that they can, mm. that they're going to be okay. Um, you know, that the bills actually can be paid. There's no point in one person having access to all the accounts and then another person not, because then it all falls apart when that one person falls apart. Absolutely. So I, I, I think teamwork and perhaps this is a, a bigger picture of what's going on in our society, that we're making things so insular that we're forgetting that as a community that's how we're going to break some of these models of care, you know. Um, you know, we we need to, as a group and as a community, look after men to dementia patients, you know, look mm. after dementia. Um, we need to parent as a community. We need to, you know, stop judging and start caring as mothers and fathers, men and women, you know, care for each other, our elderly, our young. It's... Uh, the community aspect has to come in, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that's yeah. That's really saying, like you had said earlier, that it's not out there. No. You know, we have to stop seeing that things are out there and really look that it's all of us and, and working together and supporting each other is what's mm. important. Yeah, and not being afraid to pick up the phone and talk to someone if we're feeling a mm. bit down as well. You know, reaching out to yeah. to whoever that can support us it may just be a friend or yeah. it might be a family member that's right um and also understanding the importance of a relationship um as a mother and a father um you know as a couple like you were saying um that you've got to work together as a team together and when there's that control and and wanting to do everything which is what i was doing i was disempowering my husband so mm-hmm. he was feeling less than and not appreciated and then he was almost afraid to actually do something in case I told him off because it was he didn't do it oh, he right. could never parent as well as you parent can you imagine so, all these fathers so, out there they could know, never then, do it as well as we do then you're not working it. together as a team Sarcasm, and then what sorry. happens is it's so true the yeah. kids then play you off against totally. each other um, and so it really creates and a who disharmo- disharmony in the home <laughs> yeah yeah so it's shocking isn't it yeah so really bringing that understanding the harmony of you working together and having mm-hmm. agreeing on how you're going to parent I think is mm-hmm. also really important and like you said um, the whole community is responsible for bringing up children it's not just the mum and the dad yeah. yeah and we lay foundations for how these children are going to be as young adults and as part of the workforce and as part of the older workforce you know that that the the values and beliefs that they have when they're growing up and what they take as their normal they then take into their work life as normal so if um and and i apologize because i did use a little bit of sarcasm about you know um men and fathers not possibly being able to parent as well as mothers um but you know when i mean sarcasm's an awful an awful form of humor but if that is your normal in your home you would then go into an office and think that sarcasm was okay but if you if you're surrounded by people who actually don't feel very confident in themselves and you're belittling their work all the time then you're actually going to create this bullying atmosphere mm. and everyone you know if you're not used to standing up for yourself no one's going to say anything I, I reckon that really describes the corporate a lot of corporate scenarios that we have out there um and you know uh, i'm going to do a, a show on it later in the year but when we talk about corruption and lying um, we have taken um, lying as something quite normal in our home life. So really, it's you know it, it's just a question of measuring how likely we are to get caught and what the consequences of being caught are. And kids learn that 
in childhood in our homes when you know we're we're working out what our choices and consequences are and what our rules are you know so interesting yeah, that killed the conversation. It's a huge it? responsibility. <laughs> yeah, it was a big responsibility, the big R word. Yeah. Big R word, yes. <laughs> oh, dear. So if we're coming to the end of the show. I'm actually going to um, give a couple of uh, websites that um, that I've found pretty useful. I mean, you two have both mentioned the Unimed uh, living website. Um, I'll put the link to that on the website. And there are some courses run by Unimed Living Sydney that are over three Sundays um, coming up. I think there's one in June, in July, and then August, maybe September, October. But they're, they're three Sunday uh, morning and they are well worth going to. I've, I've put it on the Facebook page. Um, they just give you an opportunity. The first one is about connecting with self. And if this show has done anything hopefully it's explained the value of connecting with yourself first the second part is connecting with others and then the third part is connecting with life so it's a really building series of three workshops that um that are out there and that's through uh and um, there are lots of blogs um on uh, and i'll put those blog sites up and of course please don't forget parent line Parentline is an Australian, Australia-wide organisation. They have um, a blog site that's got lots of top tips. They have a helpline where you can call up if you are um, experiencing um, difficulty in that moment and they can talk you through some issues. I'm going to run some parenting programmes in this area, but Catholic Care also run parenting programmes that are already established and you know uh, run... Um, extremely efficiently so if you are in need of immediate support then you know look to those sites uh, as I say so often um, look for support in the community because it, it, it is there someone else has thought of it and um, you know chances are someone else is having the same problem so pick up the phone don't think you're on your own and let's talk about it so um, what would be your top tip then we'll have a little we'll, we'll go out on some music Laura, what would be, what have you got out of today's show and what would be your take home from today? You know, I think really it's, it's just really being with yourself and giving yourself the space in feeling what it is that you need first and what you are really needing from a mothering perspective. What do you need to do to look after yourself first? Whether that be, you know, just sit down, have a cup of tea, have a nap, you know, what is it that you really need? And ask yourself that question, like you said a little earlier, Jane, don't just reach for something, but really honestly sit down before you reach for something that you know may not support you and and feel into what is it that you really, really need. Mm. Very cool. Michelle? Um, yeah, I think for me it's um, about understanding that we can always say no um, and that we have choices um, and for maybe us to have a stop and have a moment and actually feel into our bodies as to whether what we're choosing is self-loving, a self-loving choice or not um, and whether it's really truly self-caring to make that choice and one of the things that I really discovered when I started, started to learn to self-nurture was that really the only thing I had to lose was the exhaustion. Mm. 
So, you know, it's, it's just very small steps. You don't have to have somebody take the kids away from you to actually self-nurture. It's just little moments throughout the day. On that, that losing the exhaustion, part of it is just even being honest enough to say I'm exhausted. Whenever I've done that, yes, there have been a lot of tears, but I also have felt this load lift from my shoulders because I've actually vocalised what my body's feeling. And sometimes that's 50% of the healing process is vocalising that actually something's not working and that you might need some help. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely, that's fabulous. Um, I think mine is um, perfection, that there is no such thing as perfection. Um, That it's step by step, as Michelle says, and uh, just taking your time just to feel how you really feel and being honest with yourself about how you are. Yeah, so there's no perfection and keeping it light and say, whoops, there's whoops was something I was never taught as a child. I just thought I can't do that. And uh, and there was no, you either could or you couldn't. There was no whoops in between where you're learning to do things better for yourself. Yeah, that's me. That's fabulous. (laughs) It is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel I feel honoured to, um, you know, to to be a mum. But I feel like I'm, you know, I don't feel like it's about my children. I feel like it, we have an mm. opportunity in having this conversation to talk with all other women and say, let's just let's just be so appreciative of the reflection that our children are giving us because whatever form they take, whatever mothering our 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 world has brought to us whatever awareness there is, whatever reason you're listening to this this uh, to listen to us live or listening to the podcast of this show there's something that we can learn in the reflection that we're being honest uh, that we're we're hearing and and th- that's the honesty of saying you know how how am i what reflection am i getting am i exhausted am i tired can i do something about this how can i look after myself Am I striving for perfection? We'll never get there. We're not going along a straight line. We are repeating the same day to try and make it um, something that is so heartfelt and so loving and so amazing. And I hope that that's what this show, it's like Groundhog Day, say the same thing at the end of each show, you know. Got to be love. (laughs) Got to hold on to that love. Thank you so much, all three of you. Laura, thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you, Lucy. It's and been awesome. Thank you very much, Jean. It's oh, thank you. It's been absolutely fabulous. It's lovely having these three smiling faces looking <laughs> back at me. I feel very lucky. And we've all we've all really gone there with it as well. Hopefully, um, the people who are listening have enjoyed it as much as I have. So let's come back to choosing to be the change we want to see in the world and in our world. Remember, regardless of what is happening or has happened in your life, You will and will always be amazing. You are that amazing. The key is to reconnect to that space and learn to build a relationship with your body so you can recognize when your body is trying to tell you something's not quite right and then seek support with the appropriate support service, be that a cup of tea, as we've mentioned this morning, an early night, um, but physical or mental health, get the support you need. 
The podcast for today's show will be available through the Stay in the Loop with Lucy website or um, and on SoundCloud. And if you want to get updates, then just remember to like the at Stay in the Loop with Lucy Facebook page. And links to all of those spaces are available on the Triple H program page for Stay in the Loop with Lucy. I hope you'll uh, make an appointment to join me next Sunday um, and listen to the uh, or listen to the show on the website. Till next week's show. Remember to take a moment to look after you, to connect with the amazing people in our community. Be kind, be caring, be love, be all of you. You've been listening to Stay in the Loop with Lucy on Triple H 100.1 FM.